You're listening to Trending with Timory, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. National speaker Timory Millington has been a passionate advocate for life as long as she can remember, helping Gen X through Z answer the call to true feminism and authentic manhood. Timory holds a master's degree in biblical theology, and she covers this week's hottest stories from a Catholic worldview. You're listening to Trending with Timory. And we are back around two in the studio for us today. Father Tim Grumbach is with us. We've been doing this series here on Trending about Advent. What do those candles stand for in Advent? And more importantly, what are the virtues? What can we learn about the virtues? So even if it's not Advent, please give this a listen. First, we went through the virtue of hope, that first candle. Then we went through the virtue of peace. And now, Gaudate Sunday's coming. We have the theme of joy. Let's just say it's a joy to be here. Thanks for being here. For those who don't know Father Tim Grumbach, he's a regular guest here on Trending. And he is the associate pastor at St. Augustine Parish in Los Angeles, right there in kind of the heart of the busyness of Hollywood, essentially. Yeah, right across the street from Sony Studios. And so we we have uh, the Sony kind of telling people what God looks like and what he's supposed to be doing in our world. And then we have the church. And who are people listening to? Well, we're working on that. Yes. Well, I want to talk about joy. We'll be talking about what is the virtue. We'll be telling some really neat stories from the saints. We'll be talking about how we can live a Sunday better by focusing on joy and rejoicing in that rest we're called to enter into on Sunday that we have such a hard time finding that moment of rest. So we'll be talking about that at the end of the show. What are your initial thoughts when you hear the theme of joy, Gaudate Sunday? What's kind of your typical theme when you're preaching here on this? The color pink. I mean, <laughs> rose, right? Okay, come on. Do you get up there at the beginning of your homily and like for 50 seconds talk about how this is really rose and you're not yeah. wearing pink? I bet you're wondering why I'm wearing the color rose. <laughs> no, that is actually the opposite of how I preach on Gaudete Sunday, which draws its name from the first word of the introit, the traditional yes. introduction of the mass, which is, you know, rejoice. Uh, I say it again, rejoice, uh, coming from the letter to the Philippians from St. Paul. It's often called the, the epistle of joy because nine times that word is used throughout the four chapters of the letter to the Philippians. And it's, it's a word that appears somewhere around 70 times in the whole New Testament. And nine of those times is in one letter, one four chapter letter in, uh, in the heart of the New Testament. And so it is such a key word to who we are as Christians is joy. And it's not just this happiness. And so one of my favorite stories to tell about uh, this wearing the color rose, which uh, we wear it two days out of the year which is this Gaudete Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent. And we also wear it uh, Leitare Sunday, uh, which happens uh, in Lent as we're preparing for Easter. But um, one of the best explanations is that during Advent and Lent, we wear a, a more solemn violet color as if it's the color right before the dawn. The, the, the sky is this dark color right before the dawn. And when we put on the rose colored vestments, you know, this, this kind of pink tone, it's because the sun is right at that moment where it's about to rise. And so the joy is about to come up with the sun. Well, and if you've ever seen, for example, the sunrise in the desert, mm. oh my gosh, every year I usually end up out in the mm. desert, Anzaborego Desert, uh, just outside of San Diego, and you get to see the sunrise through the hills there in the high desert. It's phenomenal. And the whole sky is lit up with pinks and just the glory of the sunrise. 
Right. And so, you know, people will ask sometimes, well, why are you wearing that color? What does it matter? And some people will just say, I, I don't really care what color you're wearing right now. And so we have to make it that, give it that beauty and say, look, this is something we can see every morning. And this is what we're celebrating is that it's not just pointing to, oh, now it's time to get up, but it's that we have a savior who's coming back for us and not just waiting for us to get to heaven before he reveals that. And so uh, in the seminary, we were warned about this. You know, What color we're wearing during mass might be far more interesting to us as preachers than to the people in the pews. And so for us to think that might be the first thing that they wanted to know about, <laughs> probably not. We have to remember that you know, for some families, it's a struggle just to get to mass, just to make sure the kids are wearing the same shoes, uh, just to make sure that they have their shoes on at all. So you might uh, be color coordinated, but the kids might oh, not right, be. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've got the, you know. <laughs> um, but to know that the parents are bringing uh, uh, maybe maybe some heaviness on their hearts, um, just trying to figure out maybe how to pay the bills, how to how, how to um, worrying about their kids who may not be going to church anymore. And so how do we speak the, the beauty of the colors we use liturgically into the mess of daily life? And so what we might find interesting may not be very interesting to those sitting in the pews. And I know there are those of you out there who love this stuff. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that. Nerds. But nerds but that's okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. there too. I'm there too. <laughs> but you know what? When you talk about, you know, the pink, the rose, whatever you want to call it, at the beginning of the day, just before the sunrise, it's a challenge for us that we're called to love our whole day in the joy of God, to mm -hmm. rejoice. And I look at that antiphon from Philippians and we read, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Indeed, the Lord is near. And we think about it as the sun, as it's coming up and it's about to peak and we're about to see that light and the glory of the beginning of the day. The Lord's near. Rejoice. He's always near. Why do we fear? Allow that to be a little bit of a pickup in your step. Let it be a little bit of an inspiration to literally put the praise of our Lord on your lips when you rise each day. Yeah, that image of the rising sun as well and the pink color that precedes it. It's a, a very powerful image of the joy that we can have as Christians. And one of my favorite images in all of this is from C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. During the creation of Narnia, they see the sun rising for the first time. And they say that it would almost laugh for joy if it could because it was so young and so youthful. Mm -hmm. And you know that image that the sun rising with joy and that it would laugh, I, that's one of my favorite images for this Gaudete Sunday is you know, preparing, and Leitare Sunday in Lent is we're preparing for the sun to rise. Yeah. We're preparing for the joy that comes with that. Speaking of Narnia, totally, total side caveat, but I recently just watched Lion, the Witch, and the World Wardrobe again, the most recent one by Disney. And just sitting there watching it, I was reminded again of how majestic majestic that story is. If you have never read the books, please go read C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the whole series of Narnia, and even just watch that movie to kind of kick it off. It's just so many parallels to our Christian faith that were intentionally written in there. That's Father Tim Grumbach. You are listening to Trending with Tim Ray. So we're talking about the virtue of joy, also one of the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. We have to remember that we're also sitting in the midst of Advent with this theme of joy because we're so supposed to joyfully anticipate Christ. We joyfully anticipate and appreciate his already having come in the past. We joyfully anticipate his presence. We rejoice over his presence with us now. And again, there's that anticipation of his future coming. And I would argue not just his future coming in the second coming, but his future coming and having the opportunity. And this really points to having a devotion to the Eucharist to go and to be able to adore him in adoration, to being able to receive him 
in the most blessed sacrament and the greatest sacrifice of the mass, do we have that joyful kind of little lift in our step as we run toward the sacraments? And how can we not have a devotion to our Blessed Mother if we do have a, a devotion to the Eucharist as well? As this is one of the greatest traditions going all the way back to the fathers is that when we receive Christ in ourselves in the Eucharist, we become like a new Mary yeah. who received through her yes, uh, the, the very word that uh, created all things into her womb. And then she was sent forth in the visitation to become a, a walking tabernacle, the, the first Eucharistic procession. And so that when we receive the Eucharist in mass, we become the same thing is that we're sent forth on a visitation to those who are waiting for that, that word of life and to encounter the Lord. And we become walking, breathing, living tabernacles and Eucharistic processions. And so it's really important during this time of Advent to reflect on what the church puts forth to us. And that is the story of the Annunciation. Yes. And, and what, is, what is the word that the angel Gabriel greets Mary with? But rejoice. Rejoice. Yes. Yeah. Rejoice. Kyrie. And you know, just that, that very phrase is so beautiful. You can almost imagine the angel Gabriel practicing it from the moment of his own creation by the spoken word of God, you know, kairi kairi homene, this Greek phrase, which means, you know, rejoice full of grace. Well, and if we look at the readings, even that we commonly read in the mass, I mean, some of the readings we'll read are such as Isaiah 35, that's talking about, you know, the prophecy of Christ's coming and rejoicing at God's coming and the renewal that it'll bring. You know, we read from Psalm 146, the Lord gives sight to the blind. And here we are now the Messiah has come. Gabriel has come to Our Lady and the greeting is rejoice because this is the moment that all of salvation history has been working toward. And Pope Benedict re reflects on the use of this word rejoice is for a young woman, a young Jewish woman, one would expect that the greeting would be shalom, peace, uh, in Greek, erene. But instead, the greeting that the angel comes with is this very Greek greeting, this, this greeting of uh, of peace, which is also the, the Greek word would be peace. And the angels greeting is rejoice instead. And so you have this confusing moment where maybe Mary is being like, why didn't he greet me with peace, with shalom? But what Pope Benedict points out is that with this greeting of Kyrie, this greeting of rejoice, this Greek greeting, that this is the beginning, the real and true beginning of the New Testament is that the nations are being welcomed into the greeting of God coming into the world at this moment of the Annunciation. And so Jesus actually greets his apostles the night of the resurrection with Irene, shalom, mm. peace. But the angel greets Mary at the moment of the Annunciation with rejoice to welcome all of the nations into this moment. This is the summary of the joy of the gospel. You hear people talk about the joy of the gospel. This is it. We're called to live it. And what does Our Lady do immediately after the Annunciation? She's received everything. She's literally received the king of the universe and she goes out. She goes to serve her cousin Elizabeth. And as she goes to serve her cousin Elizabeth, we hear of her Magnifica, which is essentially her whole body rejoicing God in this prayer of greeting to Elizabeth. And we just celebrated the Immaculate Conception because Sunday was a, a regular Sunday, the Lord's Day, a Sunday of Advent. And so we could move and it becomes almost a two-day celebration of the, the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception and how beautiful it is that Mary received the Lord into her womb and then immediately became of service and was sent out. And again, becoming that living, walking, breathing tabernacle, that Eucharistic procession. And 
we sometimes have this image of Mary only as this statue or this stained glass window, and that because of the Immaculate Conception being freed at her conception from the stains of original sin, that she was almost floating above the earth everywhere she walked. But this was a, a young woman who would have felt every pain of the sin around her even more deeply because without she, sin, she wouldn't have been so selfish to think this is how this is affecting me, but her heart would have constantly been that self gift towards other people. And that's why she could be at the cross. And that's where the true labor pains of the mother of the Messiah happened was because being sinless, she would have experienced more deeply the pains of the cross. But also think at the same time, she was able to be at the cross because she also had the joy of the gospel mm -hmm. within her. That's she right. knew. And, and this is the challenge for us. Have you realized that joy, it's a virtue. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter if you're happy, if you're sad, if you're depressed, if you're lonely, if you're angry, you were called to be joyful and are called to let that transform no matter what emotion you might be feeling. That's Father Tim Grumbach. You're listening to Trending with Timory. I want to take one more step into the scriptural narrative and go to Matthew 11. It's one of the uh, passages that we all commonly read from the gospel on Gaudate Sunday. And we are reading essentially where John the Baptist is essentially looking at Christ. He's, you know, he's been sending his apostles to kind of inquire about Christ. And the question is asked, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? And that, I think, is the question that we're challenged to ask ourselves. If he's the one who's been expected and anticipated, if he is the answer to all of the longing, the despair, the, the hopelessness, is he, if he is the one that you have been restless for, then stop searching and rejoice. Rest in that. And the question of John the Baptist, as this is the gospel we're preparing for this coming Sunday, is so profound because consider where he's asking this question from. In the fourth chapter of Matthew's gospel, it notes that John the Baptist has already been arrested. And that's when Jesus begins his ministry of the kingdom, of proclaiming the kingdom. And so John has been in, in prison, perhaps wondering, you know, we can't know the, the heart of John the Baptist at this moment, but is he wondering, this is the one that I've been announcing. This is the one I've been waiting for and longing for. The one he baptized. The one I baptized, who I who should have baptized me. <laughs> and why am I still in prison? Didn't he come to free the captives? Mm. And so maybe the temptation is on John's heart to doubt a little bit that that Jesus is really the the Messiah that he had meant, you know, had had been waiting to witness to. Um, but. Uh, the evidence really actually points to his fidelity, trusting that, you know, I could be tempted towards this and think that Jesus, that this is not really the Messiah. But then Jesus points him to look at the miracles that I've been working. These are the promises that Isaiah prophesied, you know, that the, the blind would see, the deaf would hear, the mute would speak, and the dead would be raised. Look, it's happening. And every one of those is pointed to throughout the Matthew gospel between that moment that John is imprisoned and Jesus announces that, yes, I am the one that you've been waiting for. And you know, John points out something even more profound than these miracles that Jesus is working, but the martyrdom, the being conformed to Christ, not just in the miracles that he can work, but in the death he dies and the life that he brings into the world. That's Father Tim Grumbach. You're listening to Trending with Timory. 
text this episode to a friend. It's one of the episodes of Trending that's not as controversial. It's something that can really challenge people to amend their life, to really work on their own character. It can challenge you to work on your character. So share this episode to help someone, and it might even get them into listening to some of our other controversial topics that we talk about here on Trending. I think this is a controversial topic, that we as Christians should have this kind of joy in the midst of a world of great suffering. I think it's easier to palette, though. (laughs) And I think that that's a challenge a lot of people want to hear more about character formation but this is ultimately if you get this stuff right you're going to understand better all the other issues right and uh, oh, i wish i could remember which french poet it was that said that christ didn't come to um, to fix the problems of the world he, he didn't even come to explain them away but he came to fill them with his presence and so that's the kind of joy that we're talking about today and the advent presence of christ that his coming is not just to take away our sufferings, but to conquer them from the inside. And he invites us uh, to cooperate with his grace to do so. Well, when we look at scripture, we look at the story of Christ and the whole narrative. Jesus goes on to perform one miracle after, after another. And the miracle shouldn't be necessary for us to rejoice. But what should be necessary is that when we've been healed from anything, whether it's physical, mental, whatever, spiritual, whatever it could be, that we are rejoicing in the Lord. Because the reality is, is that even our ca- uh, cause for our rejoicing is the fact that we have converted, that we have faith. Yeah, we actually had a moment of joy like this at the parish yesterday. I've got to share this, but we were just about to go into an operations meeting, which is not everyone's favorite meeting of the day. But you went in joyful. Right, right. <laughs> well, this is why is because um, we were we were getting ready to go talk about just the logistics and the administration and what needs to happen over this next week in the parish. And a lady came to the office as we were going into one of the rooms and she came just to tell us that one of the priests from the parish had gone and anointed her about a month ago or so because she had just been diagnosed with stage four cancer. Oh. And she said days after that, the cancer was gone. Wow. So there was this miraculous healing that happened through the anointing of the sick. And, you know, my first thought, I'll admit it would be like, I wonder if I did an anointing. I wonder if I did a miracle and didn't even know it. And then God was very quick to be like, it doesn't matter if it was you. It doesn't matter if it was the pastor or the retired bishop. It doesn't matter who did it. This woman has a reason to be joyful to have this new lease on life because of what God did through that sacrament. And so that's the kind of um, reminder of the joy that you know God was really calling her to. And it doesn't happen that way every time with the anointing of the sick. And that's why we're so surprised. But why should we be surprised when that we know that that's what God is capable of and he's doing it all the time, but we don't always get to see it. And so we're called to a joy in a God who works miracles, but we don't always get to see them. We're called to a joy of a life that is a gift, even though we may not recognize it each and every moment of the day, that doesn't make it any less than a gift. There's a quote from St. John Paul Great that I was looking at when he discusses joy. And part of what he referred is talking about in this quote is he discusses how essentially Jesus came to teach what it means to be fully happy and fully human. And that in Christ's teaching of truth, that's where we have joy. And so this has always stood out to me because it emphasizes Christ is literally teaching us what our identity is to identify joyfully in him, to be happy, to be human. And all of this comes through knowing the truth. And he is the ultimate truth. 
It's about being conformed to Christ, right? The the mystical term being theosis, of being made yeah. like God, uh, divinization, being made divine. Or Christosis, being right. a little Christ. Right, yeah. that Jesus didn't come just to teach us to be good boys and girls. He came to make us into saints. And what is a saint? A saint is somebody who's been conformed to Christ. And we have so many of these powerful images of the saints who have willingly, in the midst of their sufferings and with great joy, have made themselves conformed to the image of Christ. Uh, I've been thinking a lot recently about uh, Blessed Chiara Badano. It was this young Italian girl who died. Oh, had cancer. Yeah, yeah, she had cancer, and and, and she died in 1990. Uh And so she was only 19 years old, but it was right around the time she was 16 or so so that she was diagnosed with this cancer. And, you know, one of the the great and powerful cardinals in the world at that time came to visit her in the hospital, the the cardinal archbishop of her diocese in, in Turin. And... Uh, he came and, and you have this powerful church figure with this teenage girl who's dying from cancer. And he saw something in her eyes and he says, where does that light come from in your eyes? And she said, I just try to love Jesus as best I can. And in the midst of her suffering, she said, Jesus, you know, this is all for you. If you want it, I want it too. And so we, we have these great saints who are not making these great dramatic movements in the world, but even on their sick beds. And when it looks like the world to the world that they're useless now, is that they are are loving with this joy in the midst of that suffering that is it's really humbling for us uh, who might complain i mean i'm speaking for myself over the the smallest and you know little inconveniences to my schedule and to want to take those words i just try to love jesus as best i can and that will conform me to christ and make me more than just a good priest but a a saintly priest hopefully but ultimately isn't that what we're called to when we look at the christian life God is going to allow us to be tried. In fact, sometimes those he loves most, he allows to have even greater suffering, you know, and we are called as Christians to endure all things as Christ did on the cross, but joyfully with peace and the peace of Christ. And that's what Kiara had. She had that peace and that joy that was absolutely unwavering in her faith. Mm -hmm. And that's what we can see in St. John the Baptist, who was looking for the sign of these miracles of, you know, are you the Messiah, Jesus? Are you working these miracles that Isaiah said you would? And Jesus points it back to him. And we see it in all of the gospels that, you know, John is actually the one who goes before the Lord as his father, Zechariah, promised in the great canticle of Zechariah in Luke's gospel is that you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, not just by doing miracles, not just by prophesying, not just by baptizing, but by dying with that joy and isn't it so morbid i mean sometimes (laughs) we catholics are so cool (laughs) us catholics are crazy okay so i have a funny story i'm going to tell this again on the next episode that we do as well so i went into the bookshop this morning at um retreat house i was seeing the retreat house and i walk in i'm talking to uh, the younger woman there and i say oh you know i'm in a little bit of a rush i said i'm looking for a book and i and she goes oh what book and i walk over i'm kind of glancing i said i'm looking for preparation for death and she like uh-huh. chokes on her words like i don't think she knew whether to say like oh i'm sorry or um what uh, you know someone died like she had no idea i was looking for preparation for death by saint alphonsus Liguori to give it as a gift and they didn't have it but she's like well we have like some bereavement books <laughs> like this i'm like no i'm looking for preparation for death and then i kind of go you know walking out quickly and i'm walking out and i'm realizing that girl thought that like i was preparing for death someone i knew was preparing for death like us catholics are so crazy because we look forward 
to our death, but that's part of what life's about is attaining heaven. And we're supposed to do it joyfully in our suffering. And that means sometimes to prepare for heaven, we joyfully need to purge those things that pull us further from God, but we should be happy about that because it makes us closer to him. Yeah. And we'll talk way more about this on the next episode when we really broach this topic of death is that we as Christians, we have a complicated relationship with death is that we don't want it, but it has become a doorway, a gate to new life. And Christ didn't die so that we wouldn't have to physically, but he, he died so that we could yeah. and in, a, and in a, a very spiritual way be brought to life. But ultimately, uh, our bodies brought back to life as well. And so he defeated death from the inside. And that is where our joy comes from. Amen to that. I like to emphasize one more point when we're talking about the virtue of joy. I'll never forget it being described to me to have, you know, the virtues, peace, joy, you know, hope, um, charity. You know, we could go on and on with various virtues, chivalry, all of these things. It's to think with the instincts of God, as one priest once said it to me, to have the instincts of God that you're literally living the life of God, living with his instincts and being driven forward to live these virtues. And in this case, the virtue of joy. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. We're talking about joy, that fruit of the Holy Spirit, the virtue with Father Tim McGrumbach here in studio. First, a message about our sponsors. Solidarity HealthShare is simple to help pay for affordable, quality health care. They enable the community to share in each other's eligible medical expenses. You choose the doctors that you want to see. Even integrative and alternative medical expenses are eligible. Solidarity HealthShare helps pay for NAPRO technology and costs associated with natural family planning. Solidarity HealthShare is dedicated to both faith and your health care. Information is available at SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. I'm back with Father Tim Grumbach, and we were talking just before our last break about how to live the virtues, to live joyfully, that's to live according to the instincts of God, to live with them, to have them ask the Holy Spirit for the fruits that he has to offer because these are the instincts that God lives. Yeah, St. Paul would use the, the language of in Christo, in, in Christ, is that we're not just, you know, Christ doesn't just live in our hearts, but that we're living in Christ, in the body of Christ. And the letter to the Philippians, where we get this beautiful intro, it rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Earlier in the letter, he gives us the image of how to do that. How are we going to live in Christ? He says that, you know, have among yourselves the same mind that you have in Christ. And then he goes into the canonic hymn, the song of the emptying of Christ, that Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at, but rather emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. And it's taking this form of the slave and going all the way to death, obedience to death, even death on the cross. That's why, that's how God exalted him. And so this emptying, this kenosis, which is where we get the word canonic hymn. I know we've talked about this before, this pouring out. That is where exaltation comes from, that um, as the Second Vatican Council teaches, that we don't know who we are until we make a, a sincere gift of ourselves to others. And so that's what it means to have the mind of Christ, 
to be in the instincts of God is that, you know, God's nature and his, his instinct, if you will, is to pour himself out. You know, that's what the Holy Trinity is, is this, this constant pouring out of one person into the other and a constant reception and vulnerability one to the other. And so to live in the instinct of God and to live in the mind of Christ and in Christ and Christo is to live that pouring out. And that's what gives us joy. And ultimately this kenosis that we talk about, we're geeking out on words here. I wrote my whole master's (laughs) thesis on kenosis. Oh, it's my favorite passage in scripture. Mm. But this idea, this is the sacraments. Christ has given everything with his body and blood on the cross. And this is what we receive in the Eucharist. And this is what we're called to be. This is the theology of the body, you guys, which ties into the theme of persecution And death even more when we look at, for example, themes such as St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, I found this over the last couple weeks, uh, him talking about what perfect joy is. I'm going to have you kind of tell the story, Father Tim, because you're always good with stories here. Uh, But you're listening to Trending with Timory if you're just joining us. Again, this is St. Francis of Assisi talking about what perfect joy is. Well, St. Francis walking with one of the other friars of, of the Franciscans is they're walking from uh, from from one friary to another, uh, to a church. And during this time, they're contemplating what is perfect joy. I feel really bad because Brother Leo's talking to, to um, you know, St. Francis of Assisi. He's looking at him like, Father, like you're killing me yeah, here. Right, right. Like, the poor guy's under a lot of pressure right now. Yeah. So as they're walking down the road together, Brother Leo wants to write down what is perfect joy. And so St. Francis says, okay, let me tell you what perfect joy is not. And so he, he begins by telling him these things that you would think are what would bring perfect joy. You know, if you're living from a place of perfect joy, you'll be able to prophesy with all the tongues of angels, or you'll be able to uh, do the greatest works that Jesus himself did, these miracles, and you'll be able to, you know, heal the sick, uh, bring sight to the blind, uh, hearing to the deaf, uh, speech to the mute, and just bringing life back to the dead. And all of this would not be perfect joy. And poor Brother Leo's yeah, writing yeah, and writing. Yeah. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. He's like, this is amazing. <laughs> and, and oh, that's this would not be perfect joy. <laughs> and so it's like these four or five times that that Francis is saying, you know, these amazing things. And I almost get this sense of, you know, this is what it would have been like for the apostles the night before Jesus died. <laughs> is he tells them that, um, you know, his command is love one another as I have loved you. Um, to, to keep my commandments as I keep the father's commandments to love as I have loved the father and the apostles would probably be imagining, Oh, I can't wait to do that. Cause look at what Jesus did to love people. He, he brought people back from the dead. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He forgave sins. I can't wait to do all of this. But then how long did it take the apostles to realize that what Jesus was really talking about was the cross. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, was Jesus talking about being able to perform miracles? You know, this is maybe what's on John the Baptist's heart as well, is looking for the Messiah as the one who performs miracles. But Jesus means the way, the truth, and the life goes through the cross. And that, you know, as it's said, you know, the, the currency of forgiveness is wood and nails and blood. And the Ooh, I way, like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I stole it. Don't the worry. The currency of forgiveness <laughs> is wood and nails and yeah, blood. Yeah. And this is the language that St. Francis is using when Brother Leo wants to write down what is perfect joy. And it's not working miracles. It's not prophesying. It's not speaking the language of the angels. But rather, he says, if we get to this church and we knock on the door, and the porter, the one who's in charge of, you know, 
letting people in of security looks at us and we tell him who we are. And he says, no, you're not. You're just some ruffians trying to get into here. We're not going to let you in. And if we should try again and he should come out and he should beat us with a stick and leave us in the mud and cast us away. And if, you know, these worse and worse things happen, but we handle it with patience and joy, that will be perfect joy. It's not in the working of the miracles. It's not in the, even the raising of the dead. It's in experiencing the suffering that Christ suffered on the cross and to do so with patience and joy. And he even goes further. He continues to talk about it even getting worse mm-hmm. and how the porter treats him and how other people mm-hmm. then participate right. in this dreadful treating. And as I was reading this, I just kept thinking of Matthew 5 mm-hmm. as we're reading the Sermon on the Mount and right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Jesus goes into, and blessed are you those who are persecuted, you know, for the sake of righteousness. So when they utter all kinds of false things against you, falsely because of me. And then he says, rejoice and be glad. He literally just told everyone there at the Sermon on the Mount, they're going to accuse you falsely. They're going to say slanderous things against you. And yet I call you to be rejoicing. The kingdom of heaven is yours. This is how you make it to heaven. Yeah. Again, Pope Benedict reflecting on the Beatitudes calls those the the inner spiritual biography of Christ Mm. is that how unfortunate that we will look at something like the Ten Commandments, the commandments of Christ, the Beatitudes as just more rules being imposed from outside rather than looking at them as the spiritual, the inner spiritual biography of Christ is if you want to be a saint, if you want to become like Christ, not just be a good person, you know, take the Beatitudes, memorize them and yes. and do more than memorize them, live them out. Yeah. You know, they're safe when they're stuck on a page. A little challenge, you know, mm-hmm. take the Beatitudes, you know, find the interpretation that is maybe easiest for you to kind of repeat, um, you know, because we have different interpretations of scripture, meaning the same thing and write it out and write it out, write it out 10 times and memorize it. And the more you can repeat it, it becomes a prayer you can pray in the morning mm-hmm. and at night. We're called to live the Beatitudes, but we don't even know them. This is a challenge. And those Beatitudes are going to help take us to the cross. Right. And they're going to take us to Jesus. You know, the, the Beatitudes, if you have them memorized, you know, if you're sitting in line somewhere at the, at the bank or at a restaurant or, or wherever, instead of pulling out your phone, you can have the Beatitudes on your heart and just run through them. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and just run through them and look, open your eyes and say, okay, how can I live these out right in front of me? And then they're not just stuck on a page and safe. They're you know in your heart and dangerous for the world. And it means to turn the world upside down. So that's not just rules being imposed from us from without, but it's what we were made for. And so the Beatitudes become something that makes us into Christ, theosis, divinization, Christosis, you're being made into little Christs. That's Father Tim Grumbach. You're listening to Trending with Timory. You know, of course, us morbid Catholics, we're talking about joy and we're talking about death. But that's what it's all about. And I'm sorry, but we don't talk about death enough. We feel uncomfortable about it in our modern culture. Yet, I think that a way that we can celebrate really the idea of joy and invite, because remember, this is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. This isn't us just acting joyful. This is literally a gift from God, you guys, and we need to pray and ask him for it. But I think one way we can 
inspire this theme in our lives is by celebrating the feast days. You know, there are feast days literally every single day of the year of the saints who have walked before us. And sometimes we get distracted by going, oh, and this is St. Clair of Assisi. And we read, you know, a one paragraph bio of her. No, read a little bit of her work. The way you get to know a saint is by reading what they said, you know, the way they thought, the way they prayed and then celebrate that. You know, maybe you make a special meal on some of your patron feasts, you know, saints feast days and the Immaculate Conception. We just have this in the middle of Lent. Celebrate it. Dress up. I mean, these are ways we can live remembering that our whole life is oriented toward that cross. And I think it's really important that we as Christians renew this culture of the feast day, yes. uh, especially of the saints feast days, because we even as a church have fallen into this secular world day of donuts, uh, national taco <laughs> Tuesday. And we've even created what are beautiful world day of the poor world, you know, world mission Sunday and these things, but we're forgetting and they become these abstract ideas rather than things that have been imprinted onto the lives of the saints. And so we're almost care less about the saint feast days that we do what the secular government has given to us to remember as secular feast days. Let's call back the saints on whose lives Christ is imprinted and they become small Christs and so do we as we celebrate these feast days with great joy. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app where you can share your favorite episodes. Listening to Trending with Timory. And I'm back with Father Tim Grumbach. And we've got to remember that the joy that we're celebrating, that we're talking about, is something that's far more deep and abiding than just a happiness and being, you know, aware that things can be wrong in the church. And uh, amongst the, all the scandals and everything that we're looking at, it's really easy to say, be joyful as a church. But then for those who have been deeply wounded by somebody in the church, they'll look at that story of St. Francis that we just looked at, that you know, when asked about what is the great and deep uh, abiding and pure joy, well, it's when you suffer like Christ suffered at the hands of the church. And it's really easy for those who've been abused within the church to say, no, there's no joy to be found here. And so it's a lot easier for us to sit here comfortable and say, oh, look at St. Francis and and to really glorify the suffering he went through and then forget that there are people who are still suffering like that today at the hands of those in the church. And so, you know, how do we speak into the lives of those who've suffered abuse within the church without making it as simple as that? Well, just follow what St. Francis said, you know, his hypothetical pure joy. But how do we as Christians continue to um, walk with those who've suffered at the hands of the church and know in our hearts that these are the blessed ones. These are the ones who's, who are capable of greater joy than we could ever imagine because of the suffering they've endured. How do we walk with people through that? And that is the deep and abiding joy that we're in search of. Sometimes we mistakenly hear the stories of the saints and we think, oh, well, that was a thousand years ago. That was 500 years ago. Okay, let's talk about a little bit more modern of a saint. I mean, we talked about one, you know, in the process of becoming a saint earlier in the show. But I think of St. Edith Stein, Saint Teresa, also known as St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross. And she was a philosopher. She was an atheist at one point. She was a Jew and then became Catholic, living during the time of World War II. And the life motto that she basically ended up living by was the science of the cross. And she literally talks about how you have to go and hang yourself and attach yourself to the cross. And I think about what she teaches. And then I imagine her 
ending up being captured and on the train to Auschwitz and being killed in Auschwitz with her sister. And we're going to talk about this. And this is eternal rest and peace that she was essentially working toward as, and here she did as a martyr and she rejoiced in it. I mean, this was her life and that's what we are called to essentially enter into that rest of the Lord, even if it takes us through the purging fires. And one of the most powerful lessons from the martyrdom of St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross was the anonymity of her death Mm. is we don't know exactly where or when you know, the last sense of where she was that we have is she was getting onto that train right. and being taken to the concentration camp. And so, so in her martyrdom, um, we don't know what kind of fear she may have had. Um, yeah. We don't know if maybe she was the one giving courage to those around her at that moment. We don't know. But in that sense, she almost disappears into the anonymity of the cross and that you know, her specific death almost doesn't matter as much as Christ's death in her and the saint that she had become almost more so because of that moment than any of her beautiful and powerful writings. That's Father Tim Grumbach. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Father Tim Grumbach, or sometimes it's F-R Tim Grumbach. Spell Grumbach for us. G-R-U-M-B-A-C-H. I want to talk about this theme of resting in our Lord in light of rejoicing on Sunday. We read in the Catechism of the Catholic Church in paragraph 1193 about how Sunday is the day of joy. Mm. And in our modern day culture, sometimes we think Sunday is our day of consumerism. Sunday is our day of catching up on life. We forget that Sunday is a day of rest and it's only through that rest that we can delight in our Lord. Yeah, and that rest can be a sacrifice sometimes to sacrifice our productivity yes. uh, at the altar of the Lord. And it's an act of obedience as well. And we we know that obedience is difficult because it's more than just giving over something materially in generosity, but rather it, is, it takes a tremendous generosity of heart to be obedient and to be restful and to sacrifice our productivity because it's such obedience requires us to sacrifice our own tastes, our own will, our, our own wants, the, the ways that we think things should happen so that we could be more productive. But just do it. Make this act of obedience to God and almost almost force his hand to pour blessings into your life by giving up your own desire for productivity. There's a reason it's one of the very first commandments, you guys. We are called to honor that day of rest, you know, to honor the Lord's day. But what are we allowing to get involved, you know, get in the way of all of this? You know, we get so wrapped up and involved in other things. Oh, but I have to do this. or I have to do that. Or maybe it's even a church project. I have to do this church project. Father Tim, you can't get out of church projects on Sundays. Um, I work on weekends and holidays. (laughs) But, you know, we make excuses. We try to be the savior of everything around us. Uh, we, We try to, you know, catch up on all those things or maybe get ready for the coming week. The best way to get ready for the coming week is to truly delight in the Lord. You know, the only way you can enjoy a painting or a landscape is if you pause and look at it, meditate upon it, contemplate it. Well, how are you going to enjoy our Lord if you do not do the same thing for him once a week like he prescribes? And an important examination of conscience is to get to a Sunday and to find ourselves thinking, what do I find more important than living as God lives and taking this day of rest that God at the beginning of creation has built the Sabbath into creation 
into our needs. And then Jesus himself would have lived the Sabbath and he very much did. And he was accused of breaking the Sabbath by bringing forgiveness and healing into those moments. So what have we found to be more important in our productivity than God's desire for us to rest and Jesus's acting out of healing and forgiveness on the Sabbath? That's Father Tim Grumbach. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Some ideas to enter into this day of rest and to rejoice in our Lord. I think, you know, we need to... Be intentional about it, first of all. Really map out the time to the best of our ability. And maybe to start, it's not going to be the whole day. Maybe it's five hours at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day, whatever it might be, but you're taking that time. You know, I think one of the greatest things, and I'm not just saying this because I'm, you know, a reader and a nerd, as my siblings might say, uh, but reading, reading scripture, reading, you know, the lives of the saints, they can be riveting, you guys. And maybe if you're not there yet, maybe watch a movie about the saints. And be encouraged, challenged, inspired by the lives of the saints. I often go back to uh, St. Ignatius on his you know, recovery bed, reading the stories of the knights and the ladies and being inspired by these stories. But then after a couple hours, that inspiration was gone. But then reading the lives of Christ and the lives of the saints. And this was something that you know, stuck with him and created this abiding joy that would not go away. And that's, you know, the foundation of this discernment of spirits is, is there something that's, you know, drawing me to excitement for the moment or something drawing me to a, a deeper exhilaration in the Lord and this joy that's going to be sticking with me, even when that story is not right in front of me. And so go into the stories of the saints and see the ways that their lives were turned upside down by the joy that God brought into their lives by conforming them to Christ. And it can be overwhelming sometimes. Which saint do I choose? You know, who is it? Let the saint choose you. I was about to say, I think sometimes, you know, they kind of chase us. Mm -hmm. I I can say St. Edith Stein, Teresa Benedict of the Cross, she's one that has chased chased me. You know, Mm -hmm. St. Teresa of Avila has chased me. You know, St. John, you know, there are saints where you'll see, you know, for some reason you keep coming across something. Maybe you don't know where to go. Pray, okay, Lord, who do you want me to encounter in a deeper way? And, you know, maybe you start with scripture and go from there. Right. And doing a lot of work with our confirmation students at the parish and some other parishes as well. And they're choosing these saints and doing like, you know, history projects on them and, you know, kind of going to Wikipedia and getting the information from there. And we just really want to encourage them to uh, find somebody who's finding them. And that this isn't just, oh, you, you play football, so you know go with this saint. Or just the obvious picks of saints that they would choose without letting the saint choose them. And developing a friendship with the saints is that they're not just good examples, people that God has placed into our lives so we can you know, copy what they did. But these are people who are real and alive. And you know, they, they may not be breathing, they are truly alive. And these are the saints who want to choose us and to draw us closer to Christ. And we're hungry from role models. We have to remember that. So often, you know, we are looking for a role model, someone to mentor us, someone to be like, to imitate. Well, look to the saints. How did they pray? What did they say? Who did they know? And often I love this and I will never forget it. When I heard a priest once say, saints travel in packs. And I remember he said that and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, all of these saints that knew each other. I mean, think about, I mean, just the apostles and the disciples alone. We think of St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross, St. Francis of Assisi and St. Clair of Assisi, you know, St. Francis Xavier and St. Ignatius of Loyola. And we could go on and on with all of these saints, St. Basil the great and who was friends with St. Gregory the great. We could talk about all of these friendships. Our friendships are supposed to call us into joyful living. 
Yeah, we have images, actual pictures of JP2 and Mother Teresa. Yes. And the, the friendship that was there. And, uh, you know, what do they say? Like friendship goals or, and, and <laughs> uh, to see, yes, I love that the image that the, the saints, they travel in packs. And when one is becoming a saint, it's because they fall in love with God so much that they fall in love with other people. And that, that love and that joy is so radiant that saints are being made in packs. And so find your friends and become saints together. That's Father Tim Grumbach. You can find him on Twitter or Instagram at Fr Tim Grumbach. Mm-hmm. Spell your last name for everyone. G R U M B A C H. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Timmery. That's T I M M E R I E. Father Tim and I love to do these feeds on the live feed when we're in studio together. We throw out our phones. You can see what we look like, our goofiness behind the scenes, our funny camera angles, and an inside tour of the studio sometimes. So be sure to connect with us. You can listen to all episodes of Trending at radiotrending.com. And in closure of our theme of joy, I want to end with a psalm, Psalm 105, verse 3. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. This has been Trending with Timory. To book her to speak or learn more about her guests, visit radiotrending.com. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. 